Dear Cosmo Babies, today we have a special guest with us, Presley Poe, and we are going to be talking with them about some tips and tricks to get their job. Sweet. Welcome to the podcast. We are very honored that you decided to take time out of your busy day and spend with us. So I'd like to start out saying that we really appreciate that. And and I'm sure anybody that's going to be listening to this is going to want to know, you know, about your history and how you got to where you're at. So why don't we just start there and say, what got you into hair? How did you start? What made you want to go to beauty school? Um. So I've had the very fortunate ability to know what I've wanted to do for like my entire life. Um, I think I was around four when I went to the salon with my Mima cause I'm from the South and that's what they call your grandma, my Mima. And it smelled like perms. And I thought this is it. And I saw that woman like with the cape on and she like did this whole thing. And I will never forget. Like I saw her like using the clippers on set, like the trimmers and she was going yeah. so fast. And I thought, this is it for me. <laughs> like, this is what I'm going to do for my life. Right. And I remember my Mima was a very avid book reader. And so I would just be like, okay, Mima, it's time for your roller set. Cause you know, my Mima had silver hair and a roller set and I would roll <laughs> her hair on a pencil and she'd be like, it's like out like just pass out i'm just working away just rolling that hair off focused i'm just focused and you know i had stamina from a young age man come at me and i just i thought that whatever that was the smell the environment i just felt like a like that's it like that's what i want to be and b i was like i'm pretty sure that's what a superhero looks like. (laughs) And I just aspired from that moment on. And I always wanted to be a hairdresser, a bartender Mm -hmm. and a makeup artist. Okay. That was like, you know, I mean, I feel like if anyone had aspirations to be in the trade (laughs) field, it was me. I was like, I thought that was it. You know, I was like, what's college? You know, so you didn't want to work in a cubicle all by yourself, pushing papers around. (laughs) No, I tried it once for three weeks and I got um, rest fatigue. Like I've never felt so unbelievably fatigued in my life. You were exhausted. I was exhausted. (laughs) Like I would, I was like, like I'd get home and be like, I need to sit down. And I'm like, wait, I've been sitting down all day. I'm like, what's happening? Like it was a very interesting um, perspective shift and that happened. But yeah, I was, I was very fortunate to have done all this. I never made it to bartending, but I think that was the universe looking out because I may or may not have been a heavy drinker for a long time, (laughs) but I'm celebrating one year, no alcohol. So go. Sweet. Congratulations. 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 Thank you. I'm really freaking pumped about it. And so is my skin. So when you when <laughs> perfect. So when you went to beauty school, did you go to like vocational school and high school since you knew this is what you wanted, or did you graduate and then jump into beauty school that way? Well, interestingly enough, I tried to do that, but mm-hmm. my redneck parents uh, believed that that was not. Actually, I don't know. I didn't really have the parental system that said that's not a real career. I right. just had the kind of parental system that just liked to say no. Mm -hmm. You know, like they didn't Mm -hmm. want to put forth additional effort into anything. So when I said, 
I really want to go to this vocational school. I found out that you can do it while you're in high school. And they're like, no. And then it was met with all this blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, that's cute. So I just literally left. I just moved out. I've been on my own since I was 16. And I put myself through cosmetology school. And, you know, I don't know that it was the easiest route. But um, it's the route that I chose because... Well, now I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, you know, all the times that other people would not support me, I just chose to support myself. Yeah. Yeah. So So what was your beauty school experience like? Was it like all sunshine and roses like mine was? (laughs) Was it really? (laughs) No, mine was. I went to three different schools. Who said that? (laughs) No. Um, Well, interestingly enough, no, it was... um, the school itself was, I had this kind of this strange duplicitous experience there. Right. So Mm -hmm. I, most of my teachers hated me because they thought that I was trying to teach, but in actuality, people just kept asking me, Presley, what are you doing? And I was like, Oh, this is what I'm doing. So, but I had this one teacher, Mrs. Wagner, and she was older and she was just a no BS straightforward. Like everyone hated her. I loved her. And in fact, she loved me back because I questioned everything. That's why people didn't like me. Cause I'd be like, I need to know like the scientific reason, like Mm -hmm. the fundamental and then I could put it together. It turns out nothing's changed. And um, (laughs) yeah, I'm, I'm anything if not consistent. So Mrs. Wagner loved that about me. And she would always, you know, point me out and she would say, you know, Presley, this is not a destination. It's a journey. And there are several ways in in which to reach your end goal. And she would challenge me when I challenged the, the, you know, the general journey, I would say, Mrs. Wagner, why can't I go this way? And she said, Mm -hmm. well, why can't you? Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? Mm. And it's very interesting. So that really stuck with me. So I, I had a lot of teachers who really didn't like me, um, because they thought I was a know-it-all, but I wasn't, I just wanted to know it all. Mm -hmm. And Mrs. Wagner, who was like, she saw that in me and she really invested in me. So well, a lot it's of like times people are people. intimidated by someone's passion and someone's drive. And if they're into it and they want to talk about it and they want to give their opinion or or ask an opinion and get down to the, the meat of the subject, sometimes they just can't handle that. No, I uh, think that's very true in general. I think that drive and passion, determination, skill, um, and oddly humility i think those those personality traits do intimidate people they do uh, it, it's a very interesting dynamic and it's very interesting to be a part of even though i'm not really a part of it something we talk about a lot is like how to get your money's worth out of school and mm. i think I think asking why and asking all of the questions, that's how you do even, it. Even when no one wants to answer you. Yeah. Push it. Of like, I'm here because I paid to be here and I belong where I am. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't necessarily like me being in that space, 
like it's I think it's one of those like taking up space and being unapologetic for it of like absolutely like I paid to be here and I deserve to have the answers to these questions and I'm not asking you because I'm questioning your authority I'm simply asking you out of my own like uh what is the word like curiosity out of my own curiosity Mm -hmm. yeah you know I actually had someone in a class not that long ago tell me that my question was too technical. And I was like, what? <laughs> that's code like, for that's saying, that's code for saying, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like, know. I looked at my friend and I go, that's just them saying that they don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah. So then I asked them later, I said, what is the charge? Uh, what is the ionic charge of this particular product? And they said, Oh, it's followed up. I said, Thank you. Got my answer. Cause then I could put the two together. So I just had to figure out how to like, you know, so this is a very interesting thing. And I was like, wow, that happens all the time with people being like, you're intimidated by me just simply wanting to know more than what you might know. Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting Mm -hmm. dynamic to me. I don't really understand that. Yeah. It's kind of a Testament though on like, I feel like watching your career and kind of like just for as long as I've been watching you, which is a long time now, you know, since like social media, basically, like, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's kind of a testament of, of your, you do take up space and you are unapologetic about it, but you also share that information. You're not someone that asks why, 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 and then just takes it for yourself, but you're someone that then turns around, mm-hmm. figures out why, and then shares it with everybody else so they can understand mm-hmm. why also. Yeah. The interesting thing is I didn't know what taking up space meant until literally like three months ago. Isn't that a weird thing? I was like, what is it? What, what are people talking about? And someone <laughs> said, Presley, I think that people often feel intimidated by you because you're not afraid to take up space. And I said, I have no idea what that means. And she said, it means that you do not shrink yourself in the presence of others. And I said, that's yes. very interesting because I didn't know that I was ever supposed to, Yeah, you know, and I, I didn't know that I was supposed to do that. I was like, is there like an unspoken rule? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, yes, there is actually. Yes, <laughs> yeah. there is. Well, yeah. I don't follow unspoken rules. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. I'm a Virgo. So I'm like <laughs> fundamental rules central over here. I'm like, <laughs> I'm about it. But like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to take like an assumed position of a role that no one said I was supposed to be in and a rule that doesn't actually exist, but people think that it should. I was like, what that? What? (laughs) And I was like, Oh, so taking up space just means that you're confident in the, in being yourself in whatever situation that you're in. And that even though it's positive for you can negatively impact the people around them which I've always referred to as your strengths will make other people acutely aware of their weaknesses. Yeah. Do you feel like having that kind of perspective on life has really helped like move forward your career in the sense of working with brands, being an educator, doing more than just standing behind the chair and doing hair all day? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not afraid to, I'm not afraid of my passion. I'm not afraid of my strength. I'm not afraid of acknowledging my differences. I'm also not afraid to ask questions, mm-hmm. to know when to listen and when to speak is something that I work on 
very always, I'm always working on that. And I think that that is a skill set that is really necessary when you want to get your foot in the door of a culture that is not organically your own. So like coming from an artistic standpoint and then moving into the technical realm and then shifting into a corporate technical environment requires you to say, I don't know everything, but I want to know everything. And I'm going to sit back and listen. And then I will speak when I have the information to, to eloquently either get my point across or get my questions answered. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. Yeah, Perfect absolutely. Sense. Um, going back to, you know, beauty school. So you graduate beauty school. What did you do after you graduate? Did you have a salon that you wanted to work at or did you work at a couple of different places? How did you make that transition from beauty school to a salon? I you, think uh, I, I had no game plan. Okay. And I just, I just knew what I wanted to do and I would do it at all costs. And I'm definitely, I think at the time was just like, I had no idea what I was doing. And, but I just knew what I wanted to do. Turns out nothing's changed. And, um, that's how it starts, right? You start with this, like, I want to do hair. I want to be a platform artist. Wait, where do I start? Right. Yeah. You just, you just kind of get in the salad bowl and start tossing the lettuce around like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to find the, the, the cherry tomato in there somewhere, you know? And I, I think, so I just, I put in applications everywhere and I thought I'm going to go, if I'm going to start at the bottom, I'm going to start at the top at the bottom. So I yeah. thought I'm yeah. going to go to these fancy pants salons and I'm going to show them, you know, and I'm like this punk rock little alternative kid. That's like, you know, so I did, I went to this fancy pants place. It was called Cottonwood salon and 22, 23 stylist, big, beautiful spa area, women on the phone. And they checked out, Oh, hold on, darling. Oh, what was my ticket number? 500. Okay, great. Thank you. Also, Tondras in the blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, darling. It's very exclusive. You can't get into there and that kind of BS. And I, not that, it, not that it's BS and it's great. Like do your thing. But for me as a punk rock kid and this whole, like, I want to do the thing. I wanted to make an impact. Not like, uh, anyway, I just, uh, I'm not talking crap about people, but it was my experience. And I think that it is it was just such a cultural thing of like, like where I'm from. And I was just like, Oh, this is, I don't think this is it. I don't really think this is the top. And, um, I assisted for like nine months and I assisted for uh, someone whose name shall not be mentioned, but they really liked to party and they were so mean to me. And, and it, then it just turned out that it was like the cool kids club. And even though I worked harder and I felt like I had more to offer, I was just not, the pretty girl with the long hair and like the tan, you know, probably like 1.5 kids and a husband. Like I was just the complete opposite of that community and that culture. So everyone started to rise above me. And I just thought, you know, I know that I've got it in me to do more than this. And the, so the funny thing that happened is I went from this like big bougie salon and I'm like putting in my application, like all these different places. And I go to this place called Jason's Deli and it's right next door to a cost cutter. And I'm from Oklahoma. Okay. And this is 22 <laughs> years ago. So I'm, I'm going to Jason's Deli. I'm like, going to go get some lunch. And there's this girl sitting outside. She's like smoking a cigarette. And her name is Chelsea. She's like, Presley. It was like, 
Chelsea? And she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm just going to go get a sandwich. I'm like out here putting applications. I went to cosmetology school with her. And she's like, oh, hey, man. She like puts her cigarette out. And she's like, got to get back to work. And she's like, we're hiring. You should totally come. And I was like, oh, ha, ha, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I kind of like played it down. Like, oh, I don't know. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. And she goes, no, 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 hold on, hold on. And she goes, and she's like, Matt. And then she brings out this guy. And she's like, come here, come here, come here. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like trying not to be rude. And I go and I meet him. And I just was like, oh, my God, I love you. And he's like, hi, I'm Matt. You know? And he was like, would you like to put an application? I'm like, all right, all right, I'm going to hurt. So I just did it essentially to be a people pleaser at the time. And then I put in my application, all these different places. And I got a call back from them. I said, you know what? I ended up being under some pretty um, rough circumstances at the time. Like I needed a house. I needed, a I needed to move and like get my life go. And I said, screw it. I'm just going to do it. I need a job now. And honestly, that was like the best career decision. I worked there mm -hmm. for like two years and Somehow this cost cutters was such an incredible salon experience. My teammates were so talented, so talented. I always said when management changes, I will change. We all stayed there. It was all around Matt, who I called Mr. Matt. And <laughs> we, we had this like daily, you know, kind of who's going to sell more product. Who's going to do this? Like, cause you could like give yourself a dollar to hour a raise based on your product sales. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, so it was just this really beautiful, like grooming period. And then when Matt got really sick, the, um, the management changed, and then we were all like, eh. and then we, we quit kind of one by one, but we were all so good that everyone came with us and it shut down. Mm. It wow. shut down like within the year, like they yeah. could, they did not stay open. And then I went into a salon, um, that was a booth rent situation and that was terrifying. And then I stayed there for eight years. Yeah. So how long did it take before you felt comfortable working behind the chair? Cause I remember when I started, you know, I'm looking at the books and someone made an appointment. I'm thinking, Oh God, I hope that's not this haircut that I'm terrible at. I hope it's something that I'm good at. And it took me probably five years before I felt comfortable with anything that walked in. How long oh, was that? <laughs> How long? Oh, baby. He's like, oh, no, I got a haircut. I, got a I yeah. do bobs, you know? I, do I don't therapy. know long layer stuff. <laughs> oh, honey. No, I, you know, I, I have this strange disposition that I'm not, I'm not nervous about something until after it's mm. transpired. So for me, I was like, let's go. Like, let's do this, you know? And then I'd be like, wait, did I do that right? You know? <laughs> I'd be so excited to just do it. Like for me, when I went to school, it was like learning the verbiage of things that already made sense to me. I was like, Oh, that's called over direction. Mm -hmm. I, I knew it's like, I already spoke the language without knowing the words. Yeah. So hair was a very organic feeling for me. And then I would match that with action. Right. But then when I went to school, it gave me verbiage and that continues to be a path in my life of like, you know, how it, it it's an accumulative thing. So it was, for me, it was like, I was good from the gate. Like I loved it. Everything to do with it. Everything.
or I was like working to Marcel, like you don't even know. I was like, what do you want to, you want a waterfall? I got you. Like, let's do this. You know, I still to this day can't pick up a curling iron without burning myself. <laughs> oh, I'm going to throw every now. one of them away. I'm going to throw them all away. Like, thank God for the air wrap, you know, oh, yes, like yes. you got this now. Like, technology is on your side. I'm bringing back hot rollers. No more curling iron. Hot rollers it is. <laughs> back though. 90s blowouts are in. Let's go. Oh, yes. Like, Ooh, okay, my roots. I got this. I can give you the blowout of your life, honey. Let's do this. <laughs> so I'll roll your hair on a pencil in my downtime. Watch me work, you know? So how long from during that like in the beginning parts of your career, when did you actually start getting into the education and working with brands and being an educator and getting into that section of the industry? That didn't transpire until about eight years ago. I knew from the age of four that I wanted to be a hairdresser. And I knew from the moment that I went to school that I wanted to be an educator. Now, that process is not an easy one for me because I kept reaching dead ends. So I would go to a bar or something and I would be like out with my friends and I'd see someone and I was like, cause you know, hairdressers, you could just spot them. Right. Mm -hmm. You're like, are you a hairdresser? And I'd be like, and they'd be like, Oh yeah. I'm like drinking their drink. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I'd be like, Oh, and I'd be like, are you like, tell me about your life. And they'd be like, Oh, like I educate for like, you know, Kevin Murphy and I like have their drink. And I was like, how do you do that? How do you, and I just be like, how? And they'd be like, Oh, it's like, I don't know. They called me and I'd be like, and I just kept being like, why does no one want to give me the time of day? And these people don't even care. And like, this is all I want to do. But I was like, I just kept feeling like, why is everyone so cool? Like nonchalant. And I'm over here like, Ugh! like, it's like my life's dream. And you're just like sleeping on it. Like, it's, Oh, I don't know. They called me and I'm like, Oh, and then, you know, now I don't even think half of them are hairdressers and that they even really wanted to be educators. It's like all I wanted in my whole life. And I just could not figure out like a way in turns out that asking people there wasn't really the way in because cool kids club. And I apparently was not a part of it. And they were like, yeah, no, I'm like way too cool. To, like talk to you. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Got it. Got it. Okay. Cottonwood all over again. Then I think I just, it just came down to my livelihood, right? Of like, I could not find my foot in the door through networking with people because one reason or another. So I had a really down time. I had a really bad incident that happened in my life. Um, I ended up getting a DUI. I got an aggravated DUI, which, which just means that you were like really wasted. Interestingly enough, I'm like at this party, these people start doing drugs. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want any part of this. And I'm like, I gotta go. So I like dip out and I'm like, I'm just going to go eat a hamburger and drink a bunch of water and like, you know, sit it out. And then I'm going to drive myself home. Cause I was expecting to stay up there at this time that didn't happen. And so one block, right. And I'm like, ah, oh, dang. Wow. So I got put the slammer and I come out. Honestly, like I didn't skip a beat. They put me in. I got out that morning. It's like 5 a.m. Got my car out of impound, went home, took a shower, went right to work. I was like, okay, well, got to go do some hair now. Right. <laughs> but what happened in that moment is like the universe just said, bam, bam. And I was like, okay, Jesus. Like it said, you are not doing what you know you need to do. 
and you are not taking care of yourself and you are seeking the answers at the bottom of bottles when you need to open your eyes. And this is the moment that I'm showing you that the life that you are moving into is not the life that you are destined for. And I have a saying that grow within the space you've been given. And so in that time I had to like, um, community service and all that stuff. And I just remember thinking like, I'm going to come out of this on top and I'm going to move and I'm going to experience my life because I was not able to do it then. And I was pacifying, pacifying, pacifying hard worker, three, four jobs at a time, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I wasn't doing the thing that I knew I needed to do, which is educate. And I knew that I didn't belong in Oklahoma. I just never did. And so instead of trying to like milk that, you know, tree, I was just like, okay, I'm faced with the decision. And so in two years, I saved, you know, X amount of money. I sold my car. I sold everything that I owned, everything that I owned, except some art pieces. And I got into a U-Haul and I trucked my ass 2,600 miles across the country on a, on this dream. And I had no idea, but as soon as I landed, everything happened within like six months, everything. It just like, I mean, it was insane. And I was just like, okay. And that didn't happen until 13 years into my career. And I think now I understand why it took me so long and why I pacified and why I put it off. And I was seeking comfort in all these other areas. And I tell this to all of my students, it takes courage and vulnerability and strength to stand in a room, a classroom and say to a group of people that you do not know, just by being present, I do not know everything. Please teach me. And to be an educator means to be a student at all times and to be a seeker of that knowledge and to constantly say, I do not know everything please teach me and to publicly fail and humiliate yourself. And so I think that it was me running away from the vulnerability of growth and expansion and of the responsibility of the work it takes to be in this position. So it's been like, once that ball got rolling, it was like, Oh, and then it's just truck straight forward. Like, mm-hmm. let's go. It's now my favorite feeling in the world. It's like, I don't know everything. Please teach me. And I'm not a know-it-all, but I want to know it all. You know, do you feel like with the, the birth of social media, do you feel like social media though, did have a stepping stone to your career path as an educator? Or do you feel like you didn't use social media until later on after you had already gotten into education? I didn't have social media until I started working for a company. Like I was anti-tech for so long. Like I had a lot of trauma around technology. That sounds really weird, but like, let's just say I grew up in the era that computers came into your household. Like it was like AOL dial up, you know? And so parents getting divorced, blah, 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 blah. There was a lot of like trauma around their relationship with technology. And therefore I was like, I ain't touching it. Like that's the devil. I don't anything to do with it. I had a pager for like way too long. I had a flip phone for way too long. And I definitely didn't read emails or anything like that. And um, so for me, it was not until I started working for Pravana 
that I knew that I had to establish some sort of social media interaction because I knew that in order to be important to them, I had to utilize social media. Uh So for me, it was never about being important or seen by other people. I didn't give a crap. Like, I'm always like, dude, my goal is definitely not to be famous, like at all. Like it is not a thing. No, it just means that a people know who you are and B you have no, um, personal autonomy or, uh, privacy. So that was, that's never the goal for me. It was for them to think that I was important. And so I started social media literally the week that they accepted me as an educator. And then I think, and even then though, it took a long time before I ever got traction, like years. And then now it helps my platform as an educator. Uh, Yeah. And so when you started with Pervana, was it through their uh, competition that they were able to recognize you or was there another way that you were able to get in? No. So, you know, how I was like, Oh, I got to network with like all these, like, I'm like way too cool for you people. Yeah. I didn't need to do that. (laughs) So it turns out that if you're not scared of technology and you know how to like work an enter button and like the mouse clicker thingy and you go to their website, it says like become an educator or something like that. And I was like, Oh, it's a click. And I was like, Oh, and then it was like three pages of stuff you got to do. But totally. that's what it took is I just was like, okay, I have to do the thing that I'm the most scared to do. Right. I have to like, yeah. and that again, nothing's changed. Um, so I decided to run full into it and it turns out that there's like a lot of information on the internet of like how to do that stuff. So it's like, how do you become an educator with Vermont? Ding, ding, ding. And like yeah. Google and it's like, click this button. Okay. And so I click the button, like with my little, little chicken peck finger and says, okay, now click that button. I'm like, Okay. And then it says, now go to LA and do this thing. I'm like, ah, okay. And then I did. It was, it was literally so much easier than I thought that it would have been. I just got on their website and did it. I think people, and then the second part of showing up. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Just showing up. And it's, I think people today, especially because of the vastness of social media, people do Mm -hmm. overly complicate it. They're like, oh, I, I, like, I, I like, could never do it. You know, like I don't have enough this or I don't have enough that. And it's like, go fill out the application <laughs> because it's like this, right? So what I learned in that time frame, that, that two years, right? The growth in the space you've been given is that this vastness is not just the feeling of the internet. It's the feeling of the world, right? And once you get out there and you really put yourself out there, and we know this because we're like in the circles and we're around, we go, Oh damn, it's like a really, really, really tiny small little world out there. Yeah. Right? It's like, yes. and everything is so interconnected. But the thing is, is like when we have this perspective of this, this grand idea of our lives, it's very overwhelming and it's very easy to not think about that and just drink bottomless mimosas with your friends. You know what I'm saying? Um, yes. <laughs> So what I, I thought is, you know, it's not about the big goals. It's not, I don't have, I do have big goals, but I often don't really, it's not a part of the process. It's a day to day. It's a day to day. It's a moment to a moment. It's this foot in front of the other with an understanding of like small numbers make a big equation, right? So it's like the, the steps that we take today determine 
the options that we have tomorrow. Yeah. So it's like, it's just, I just literally go, okay, with every single decision, I go, okay, what is the impact versus the, 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 the intent versus the impact, right? First and foremost. And then second, second, it's like, okay, if I step this way, what are going to be the options potentially on that side? Right. And if I go this way, what are the options potentially going to be there? Just act and react and knowing that it, that one small step, I was reading that. Um, I think a really great way to describe it is like, I was reading Michelle Obama's book and she talks about how Obama asked her and the family, should I run for president? If you say no, I will not look back. I won't even attempt it. My family comes first. And she said, I knew that he meant it. I knew that he meant that, that it was on me, my husband's future and the future of my family. And she said, we didn't know what would happen. She said, so we took a chance. And she said, and I said, yes. And she said, to this day, it's very interesting to me to think that with one decision, I could have not changed history. Like Those are the things of like, when I think about making a decision, I go, okay, like, how is this going to impact? What's the ripple effect going to be? How, how will this impact my future, the future of others, that sort of thing? It's Even like, if it's something yeah. as simple as like just showing up. It really is such a, a powerful way to look at life and even the, the small steps that we take in our careers is, you know, if you have a fork in the road in front of you, like, it really is such a great way to be like, well, what if I don't take the steps to do this thing over here? Or what if I do? And just e even something so small, you know, like but the, the question could, could beg to be like, okay, well, how do you make that decision? Right. Mm -hmm. So I feel like someone would say, listening to this, they say, okay, but how do you make that decision? My thought process is I'm always going to choose the thing that I will be more proud of myself for doing than not doing, mm -hmm. which is generally like, easy road, hard road. I'm making a hard road. I'm going to the right, even though I'm like, but I really want to go to the left, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, all right, here we go. Buckle up. You know? <laughs> what kind of advice would you give someone that's maybe in beauty school that's trying to get out and trying to make a living and trying to make a career out of doing hair? That it's not a microwave. So you don't just get to push the two minute button and it goes mm -hmm. ding, ding, ding and pops out as a full bag. Patience is to see something all the way through from start to finish. Life is often not handed to us. It's not yeah. fair sometimes, but fairness to me is such a farce. I think make your carve your way into your own future and do not wait on rides from other people to your own destination. I love that. That's such a great way to put that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So kind of the same thing though. Um, what advice would you have given yourself back in the day now? That is the exact damn everything? advice. <laughs> same you know thing what, though? Yes, but no, I would have said, you know, Presley, the world is a lot smaller than you think it is. And your big dreams are attainable. You are not wrong for being yourself. And don't let anybody tell you that you are. 
Oh, I feel like you're speaking right to my soul. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for all this wonderful yeah. advice. Yeah. I'm going to take yeah. all of it. Today. I, I have, well, I'm, I have, it is literally just now I'm almost 40 and I have come to this understanding of like, Oh, here we go again. Like my childhood is actually redeveloped as an adult. These experiences of like being bullied, being told. And here's the thing. When I was young, I was made fun of for having a big old booty. And guess what? People pay for this now. Okay. <laughs> I was told that I was too loud and my voice speaks to thousands on stages yes. and is loud and proud on social media. It is the thing that has made me right. I was told that I was like, um, thought that I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth, but in fact, I just had a different like style than people. And I wasn't willing to wear Wranglers and cowboy boots. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Cause later in my life, I probably own like five pairs now, but it was because I was different than my environment. They said that I was wrong. And it turns out that being different from my environment makes me exactly who I am. Mm -hmm. And I stand out and people don't like that because they want to push you mm -hmm. down when you're yep. different. Absolutely. And the interesting thing about the difference between being a child and an adult is when you are in a child, you don't have options, which is privilege. Privilege is options, uh -huh. right? To do something different. You are a victim of your circumstance. And as an adult, you are your own victimizer and you have the privilege of your circumstance and you're the only one who can control it. So it's interesting. Like as a kid, I had no voice and now being bullied as an adult, I'm like, Oh yeah, no, I have the option here to know that a, I am not a victim of my circumstance and B like you are mad at me because I'm different. And I know that I'm different and it makes me special because my life has proven that to me. And I just, I, I would have told myself and I would tell everyone out there who feels a little different because everyone is different. That's the beauty of being human, right? Is own that shit. Yeah. Own it. Own your color, own your energy, own your style, own, own all of that essence that is you and walk into a room and know that you belong there no matter when other people say you don't. Mm -hmm. That's what I would have told me. Perfect podcast to start the year off with, I think. Yeah, I'm just like, damn, this is like really powerful right now. <laughs> I feel like this is the best therapy session ever. <laughs> you know, these are the things that like people don't get to see in a social media video. I think, I think no matter, like, I think anyone who's listening to this podcast, whether they're a student, a new professional, or an industry vet, anybody in any part of the industry, whether they just work behind the chair are trying to do more or already do more. I think everything that has been said can be taken and used to heart, you know, like whether you're just applying that to your work behind the mm -hmm. chair, I think that all the advice is like, you can put that into your work behind the chair. If you're trying to be an educator or work for a brand or a platform artist or anything else, or an influencer, you could take that and put that towards that. If like, it really, like, it, it just kind of really, really encompasses the fact that it's like, there is space in this industry for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. There's space. There's, like, there's just space. There's just, there's so space. much space, you know? Right? It's like, mm -hmm. I really believe that there's, there's enough space for everyone. And like, for me, for like my website, like 
everyone who takes my class, I'm putting them on like a map so that other people can find those people. Yeah. Like I have no want to be the person that everyone needs everything from. Do you know how exhausting that is? No, I'm trying to spread it out. Like y'all, okay, let's all get on the same team, same wavelength, same page. And then you take that information and you make it your own. And then you do your thing within your community. Like I feel that hairdressing is my advocacy. I feel like it is the way that I make an impact. And for, for those of you who are listening, who want to be in my position, know that it is not the stage where you have the biggest voice. I need people to know that mm-hmm. the stage is not where you have the biggest voice. Oftentimes when you are working for companies, that is where you have the smallest voice. The biggest impact that we make is in our community. Mm-hmm. It's in that four by four foot square space where we physically put our hands and our energy into someone else's space and like, you know, into their body, right. Into that experience. Like if we really want to change the world, if we want to change it with art, if we want to do all those things, it starts with one-on-one interactions, right? It's a butterfly effect because what I learned from being in the face of several companies and doing all this stuff on stage is like the, the higher I got in companies, the less my voice was heard you become a spokesperson for somebody else's ideal of what should happen in the industry. Mm-hmm. I thought that being out here in this big thing was like, that's how I'm going to make the impact. And I was so wrong. So wrong. And I only knew that once I reached like a peak of working for a company and I left at the very top of it, I was already putting out products and I was doing all that. And I thought that was success. And I was wrong. And I, I recentered and I refocused and I went back to our roots and I went back to the people in our chair. And I'm so hyper like, um, protective of those relationships. And now it's like that Google review, right now. It's like that, that person that just squeals because they're happy. And they tell you that they've been cutting their own hair for five years or they've never had an in salon like that's where we can heal or mitigate trauma for people in salons before it even starts. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's where the big impact is. And then they get to go out and they get to say like, my hairdresser is a scientist, a physicist of, you know, they're funny. They're a social media expert. They're educated or whatever. Or they just get to say, I had an incredible experience with my hairstylist. I've never been treated like that in my life. And then that respect for that individual hairstylist ripples over into how the world sees our industry, right? It's like that every single interaction has this big impact. And when you're on a really big stage, you can't see faces. There's no, there's no individual anymore, right? Like you're above people. And what happens is you become an entity rather than a person. And when you're behind the chair, you get to be a person. Entities, motives, and character are assumed. They are not asked. Person-to-person interaction, there is, I'm going to ask you, you ask me, and now we're having a conversation. It's an exchange. 
Yeah. It's an exchange, yeah. but a stage is a one-sided yeah. exchange. Yeah. yeah. You fill yeah. that room. So every time someone says, I want to be where you're at, I want to be on a stage. I say, why, why do you want that? And then if they don't have an answer, which most of the time they don't, they just say, well, I just really want to do it. I say, okay, we'll be, have a why. So that when you get on the stage, you speak with, you know, uh, with intention yeah. so that you can make an impact. I would say, know your why so that you can speak with impact because when you get on the stage, you have to have something to say because you're going to be the only one talking. Yeah. So <laughs> what, do you, what do you consider today? What is your definition of success now? Making an impact, making people or asking people to challenge their thought process. Interestingly enough, I think it's actually come to the point that I'm like, oh, I like make people mad. I think I'm successful. <laughs> like, because it's this questioning, right? Of like, I knew this, I knew this to be true. There's this whole like, you know, mm -hmm. and then they're yeah. like, uh-uh. And then something comes along and says, I'm just going to do it the complete opposite way. Watch me work. And they, and then people get, but at least they're thinking, mm -hmm. you know, like my, my idea of success is to challenge what we think we know to embrace what we do know and be open to larger discussions, but also to just make an impact on my community and know that I'm changing or impacting individuals' lives in a positive way. The ones that I'm having a one-on-one -on -one interaction with, those are the most important to me. And hopefully influencing the younger generation to be the highest form of themselves. And I think with the, with the inboxes that I get and the emails and comments, I feel that at least to a certain degree, I am impacting a large number of younger stylists in a very positive way. And for me, that feels really successful. <clears throat> yeah, I would agree with that. I yeah. would agree too. Yeah. I, I know that when we get DMs, especially from students, those are my favorite. Those students are, are like, that, yeah, yeah, they, they touch my heart the most. They make mm -hmm. me feel that I have done my job for them yes. to feel safe enough to come into the DMS, but also to feel that this was the right place to reach out to. That makes that it, it reaffirms that it's like, no, what I'm doing is I'm doing the right thing. I I'm doing the thing that makes me feel best, which is impacting yeah. other people. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, I, I don't view success as money or full books. Yes. Those things have something to do with it. But what I think the, the ripple effect is that because I have those things, I'm able to, to have an impact. Right. I think there's nothing like I can ever express, like starting completely over. Right. Like I, I, I come from absolutely nothing. Like I've literally lived in trash bags. I've lived in abandoned buildings. I've been homeless multiple times in my life. And when, when I left Oklahoma, I had what I thought success was. I had a full book, right? I was booked out, I had smoking hot girlfriend. I had this super cute, uh, duplex in the art arts district. You know, it's like everyone knew who I was. It was like this whole thing, right? Like I had all the things and I wasn't living paycheck to paycheck anymore. And I thought, Oh God, this, you know, this is what I've worked for. Yeah. 
until the day that having everything that I wanted felt like I couldn't grow anymore. And I just felt like I'd hit the ceiling that I couldn't move past and selling everything that I owned, leaving my salon home of eight years, leaving my home that I've grown up in, you know, like the, the state that I was from all of my friends, all of my relationships, like leaving everything on this dream of something different. I just wanted to educate and I just wanted to be in Oregon. That's all I knew. And starting over again was just like a, it just changed my view of success in a way that was like, Oh, it isn't about just having a full book. And it isn't about living in the cute arts district or it was so much more than that. It was about impact. I love that you guys have just been like, (laughs) like inside of me i'm like oh my god like my brain is like thinking about so much stuff right now i'm like holy shit i'm like preach sister preach tell me more (laughs) tell me more like i gotta get my shit together i know inspired me my partner and i were in therapy and i'm just like you know i'm talking to my therapist and he's like okay um and then he literally goes well presley um um and he looks down. He goes, "Thanks for the therapy." You're rare, and I was yeah. like, "I get that." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm saying, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "All I'm asking for here," you know. But honestly, like, it's true, and I I get it. But it's you know, I know mean, I feel like I've lived a lot of lives, and I think that um, it's it's interesting to have conversations with people that I look up to. I see what you guys do on a regular basis. I'm very thankful to be on your podcast and a part of this conversation. And I'm also thankful to see your faces. <laughs> kind of look at me like, oh, <laughs> no, it's like, that's the impact, right? So I, yeah. I hope people who hear this feel empowered by it, feel a little like what the hell just happened to me. <laughs> I know? feel that way right now. I'm like, damn. <laughs> Like I am a true believer that, that we get the things that we really need when we need them. Like, like the universe can provide if you allow it type of, I guess, mentality. And I I think I just got some things that I didn't realize I needed in this moment. And I'm just like, damn, okay. I think I just like received a huge gift right now in this conversation (laughs) that I really wasn't expecting. And I'm hoping that anyone that is listening to this podcast, like also feels that way because like, damn, like (laughs) like I'm going to take the rest of the day and really like reflect on some shit. (laughs) You know, well, I would like to thank you so much for coming on and being, you know, vulnerable enough to share your story and inspiring enough to make me want to get my shit together. I mean, that's saying something I'm telling you. Wow. I'm going to have me a cup of tea and go sit by my fireplace, which is actually my TV with a fireplace video on it. Yeah. I'm going to reflect on this. Yes. For an hour. Come on, neurons. Let's go. Yes. I feel like the next six months of my life are about to be very different (laughs) after this conversation today. So absolutely. (laughs) But thank you so much for coming on. Um, Give us a thumbs up, a a like on the the podcast. Please check us out on Apple iTunes and on Spotify. And we will see you next time. Thank you so much.